welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to church this morning. Glad you guys are here on this Memorial Weekend. Um, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. Some of you guys who were here last week, uh, Pastor James might have shared with you that I was away for uh, a week on vacation with my family. It was just a really good time to get away. My, my in-laws have a timeshare, and so we got to tag along with them. Uh, to Their timeshare is in Florida, so we got to bring the kids and spend a few days at Disney World. And so that, that, that was cool to be at Disney World. I don't know if you guys have been to Disney World, um, but I noticed something when I was there at Disney World. I noticed that the, the castle at the Magic Kingdom is actually a lot bigger than the one here in California. It, it's, it's more, in my opinion, it's more sophisticated and Personally, I think it's, it's more beautiful than the one in Anaheim. And as beautiful as this castle is during the day, just wait till the lights come on at night. When it comes on at night, this thing is majestic and it's glorious. For you young kids, I'm telling you, it was lit. This thing was, this thing was pretty awesome. And, and you go there and all these people are crowded around the castle taking pictures, taking selfies because it, it really is glorious. But with all the people standing there and admiring the castle, you never hear anybody saying, hmm, I wonder what kind of spotlights they're using for this thing. Or I wonder how big the spotlights are, or what brand are they using, or how, how, how powerful are these lights? How many are there? Nobody's asking about the spotlights. In fact, you can't even notice them. Disney does a good job of hiding all the spotlights. Why? Because the spotlights aren't in the spotlight. The castle is. And the purpose of the spotlights is to shine its light on the castle to leave you in awe and in wonder of the beauty of the castle. That's the job of the spotlight. Well, the Holy Spirit, he has come into our lives, and one of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit is to put the light, to shine the light on Jesus Christ, and, and, and to put forth the truth of Christ and the Father. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. J.I. Packer, a theologian, he says that this is the floodlight ministry of the Holy Spirit, to help us to see Jesus for who he is. I think a big tragedy in some churches is that they never talk about the Holy Spirit. They almost neglect the Spirit. That's why some people refer to him as the forgotten God in a lot of churches. And then I, another tragedy on the other side is sometimes I believe churches can put too much emphasis on the Holy Spirit where they talk about the Holy Spirit so much that they, they overlook what the Holy Spirit came to do. And that's to point people to Jesus. And so today, as we continue on in our series, God Inside, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And today, I want to show you how one of the major ministries of the Spirit is illumination. Illumination, that means to turn the light on so that you can see. I'm going to show you from Scripture just that thing that the Holy Spirit came to illuminate Christ and his words and the truth of God so that we can see him for who he is. I've titled this message, I know I wrote in your Baywatch, Turning the Lights On, that's for you older folk, for you younger folk, it's been updated, hashtag lit. This is the, the title of today's message. So before we get into it, would you guys bow your heads and let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do just that. And so God, we pray and ask that as you teach us about your spirit, that you would do the very thing that we're, we're learning about this morning, that you would illuminate your truth. God, that you would turn the lights on 
in our hearts and in our minds so that we can understand things that we may not naturally be able to understand. And for sure, we wouldn't be able to grasp it and believe it by faith. So God, we ask your Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth like your word says you will do. God, you bring us there, not, not a man on the stage, but you, your spirit. And so we, we pray that you would ultimately be glorified in our hearts, that we would be left in awe and wonder of you, that we would be left standing just deeper in love with you today. Use me, Lord, as a communicator. I pray that nobody would be t- dependent on a presentation because we know that's not lasting. Help us to be dependent on your spirit to transform our hearts forever and ever. And so we give you this time, and it's in Jesus' name we all say, amen, amen. Years ago, I was uh, invited to speak at a retreat, and the theme of that retreat that they gave me was uh, the Holy Spirit. And they said the, the title of, of our retreat is going to be called Drenched in the Spirit. And so I got together with the leaders to kind of find out more about what kind of direction are they moving in, what do they want to happen at this retreat, and it became very clear to me what they were going for. I mean, almost immediately I saw that they wanted this to be just a powerful retreat, one of those retreats where their people come and they experience this this great high and they wanted it to be sensational, leave this deep impression on people. In particular, they, they, they wanted miracles to happen people to break out in tongues, people to be healed, prophecies to go forth, people to be so convicted that tears come streaming down their face. And and when I heard all this and I saw that this is what they wanted, I hesitated, but then I said, I'll do it, I'll do it. And and so that first night at the retreat, it it was a room kind of like this, all these people were here, and here's what I said to them. I said, listen, the Holy Spirit is powerful. And the Holy Spirit could do whatever he wants. He could do however he wants. He, he is so powerful. He could heal cancer right now if he wanted to. He, he can convict you so powerfully and cause you to see your sin and cause you to break down and throw yourself at his feet. He could do that if he wanted to. But I said, listen, I think most of you in here, if not all of you in here, you have already witnessed the powerful, miraculous working of the Holy Spirit. You have seen the blind see again in your life. And I told him, you were once blind and now you can see and that is a daily experience. That is a miracle you experience every single day. The fact that you can walk by faith, that you can see the light of the gospel. And and that's true for, for many of you as well. You may not have been born Physically blind, but every single one of us, we've been born spiritually blind. Spiritually blind, and yet somehow the light has been turned on, and we are able to see. Let me prove that to you, and this is what I said to them that night. Let me prove this to you, that you've experienced this miracle. Here's what you've been able to see. Here's what you believe. You believe that there is one God, yet God the Father is God. Jesus Christ is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. All three different persons, but one God. You believe that. You believe that. And you believe that this God who is infinite and eternal and forever existing somehow decided that though he's uncontainable, that he would contain himself in the body of a little fetus in the womb of a woman. You believe that. And not just any woman, a a virgin, that she would bear a baby God, 
And then you believe that, that this God came forth into the world with flesh and blood and bones just like you. And he went by the name of Jesus. And he did crazy stuff that nobody was able to do. He, he was able to make the lame walk. He was able to walk on water. He was able to turn water into wine. You believe he was doing that stuff. This Jesus guy. And though he's king of kings and God of the universe, you believe that somehow he was able to get killed? He managed to get himself killed? That he hung on the cross? And you somehow believe that as he hung on the cross, he had you in mind? Even though you didn't come into existence until 2,000 years later. That's, that's pretty crazy. And then you believe that though he hung on the cross, flesh torn off his body, beaten, bruised, marred beyond recognition... Right, blood coming down, that three days later, he came back from the dead. You believe that, and, and not that he just come back from the dead, he was beautiful, glorified, not, not, not a scar or a scrape or a black eye on him except the wounds in his hands and his feet to remind you of his love. And then you believe that as he came back to earth, he didn't just hang out on earth for a while, but ultimately he ascended to the right hand of some throne way out there in the heavens, that's what you believe. And then do you believe that because you believe that, that one day you too will live, you will resurrect, you will be glorified, and you will live with him there forever and ever and ever? That's what you believe. And I'm telling you, if you believe that to the rest of the world, that is absolute craziness. That's foolishness. Can you blame them? Imagine you coming and hearing that for the first time. That's crazy. In fact, this past week at our Tuesday night prayer meeting, one of the sisters, she, she said, pray for me because I, I've been engaged in this online conversation back and forth. There's this person who was blasting Jesus. He was, he was bashing Christianity, and I took offense to it, and I just had to say something. So she spoke back, and here's, she showed me a screenshot of that Facebook conversation. The guy on top, here's the guy blasting Jesus. He says, what would you call a person who told you his mom was a virgin his dad was God, and if you did not worship him, he'd burn you in hell. And, and that's kind of the kind of thinking that this world has. And he's, he's only thinking naturally, right? Can you blame him? He's just thinking naturally. But you, Christian, somehow you've experienced a powerful miracle. You are able to see supernaturally. You've been able to see something. See, you actually believe this stuff. You believe this stuff. How is it that you're, you're able to not just understand it, but wrap your life, wrap your heart around this, alter your life, shift your priorities because of those very things? How is that? Well, I'll tell you how. It's the powerful miracle of illumination. The Holy Spirit has illuminated. You were once blind, but the lights have been turned on, and now you see. And so if you guys have your notes, would you guys write this down? This is the work of illumination. The Holy Spirit illuminates the truth for unbelievers to believe. That's the first thing we're learning this morning. The Holy Spirit illuminates the truth for unbelievers to believe. Well, let me show you that from Scripture. Look at 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, we'll be in Corinthians quite a bit. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. It says, the God of this age, and that's talking about Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
So the, the enemy has done this. He has blinded the hearts and he's caused us not to be able to see the light and the glory of Jesus Christ. But by the Spirit of God, the truth has been illuminated in our unbelieving hearts. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 goes on to expand on this truth. It says in verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And so what that passage is saying is that these spiritual realities can only be understood if the Spirit of God from whom they come from helps you to understand them. So, so the reality is it's not about how intellectual you are or how smart you are or, or how logical you are. I know people, we all know people who have brilliant minds, right? Stephen Hawking's. The physiologist, the cosmologist, this professor, one of the brightest minds in our generation, he just passed away, but his whole life, he stood his ground. He said, I'm an atheist. There is no God. Brilliant mind. Yeah, he was an atheist, and yet I know a person, a friend, who dropped out of high school, couldn't even pass his high school classes, and he too had the same position. There is no God. I'm an atheist. And on the flip side, I know people with brilliant minds. Lee Strobel, who got his law degree, his master's degree from Yale Law School, was an investigative journalist with the Chicago Tribune, and he put out this, this goal to investigate Christianity for the purpose of exposing it and proving it wrong, only to come to the conclusion after his investigation that these are the words of life. And he went on to write books like The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith, and now he defends the faith. Brilliant mind. And yet I, I know a person who has only as high as a first grade education, my son Evan, who, who fully believes that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Holy Spirit has opened the lights, turned on the lights in his life. And so my point is it doesn't matter how smart or how dumb, how, moral, how immoral you are. The person without the Holy Spirit illuminating the truth will remain unbelieving. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. It says, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, what is that saying? Well, it's not saying that unless you have the Holy Spirit, you can't audibly say the words, Jesus is Lord. I mean, the reality is anybody can say those words audibly, right? You could train a parakeet to say these words even though he wouldn't mean it. But it takes the paraclete, right, the, the, the name for the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, to actually come and help us to truly say Jesus is Lord and believe that with our hearts and mean it with our lives, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You might be able to understand it, and you know what the gospel says, but you wouldn't believe it. It would be craziness and foolishness to you unless you have the Holy Spirit. So once again, it's not because you are wiser or because you're dumber that you believe the gospel. It's not because you're more moral 
or more immoral that you believe the gospel. It's not because you're more needy for it or you're more privileged that you have the gospel. It is solely by the grace of God that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the truth and shed light on darkness and help you to see that Jesus is the Savior of my sins. He is the Lord of my life. And so, some quick application before we move on. Really quick application, if that is you, if you have crossed over from unbelief to a place of belief, here's the application. Give glory to God. By grace you have been saved, not by your own awesomeness, not by your own wit, not because of your good works. It is by grace. His Holy Spirit has illuminated you. Give glory to God. Thank him. Thank him that you're here worshiping him today. But, but, but secondly, here, here's the application as well. If there's a person in your life that you truly love and care about and you've been trying to bring them to Christ and help expose the gospel to them and yet they're not, they're not changing, they're not budging, my encouragement is this. Don't, don't be discouraged. Don't be frustrated that, ah, oh, they're so stubborn, they're so hard-hearted. Don't be stressed out or frustrated because, man, man, he would, he's not the type. He's not the type to ever give his life to Christ or she's too into her own thing to, to really surrender herself. Don't be discouraged. Instead, pray. And when you pray, include this every single time. Holy Spirit, God, give them your Holy Spirit to, to illuminate the truth like you have for me. God, use your Holy Spirit to turn the lights on so that they would see what I have come to see. Help them to believe supernaturally what they couldn't do by their natural selves. Be desperate for the Holy Spirit to do what only he could do. And as you're praying that, you do what he's given you to do. You be faithful. You plant the seeds. You keep being a witness. You keep being an example of Christ. You keep looking for opportunities and let the Holy Spirit do his illuminating work. So that's the first thing we learn. A major role of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate Jesus Christ and his truth, to bring an unbeliever into belief. But the work of illumination isn't done yet. He's not done yet. There's more that he wants to do in illumination. Write this down for the second thing we're going to talk about. The Holy Spirit illuminates the truth for believers to know doesn't only illuminate the truth for unbelievers to believe, but now he's going to illuminate the truth for believers to know. This past week, I was uh, reading a bunch of blogs online, uh, a lot of different websites about this one architectural wonder in Malaysia. It's known as the YTL residence. Here's the picture of it. And this is a residence. It's a home. It's not a hotel. It's not a business, but this is actually a home. And uh, this thing is about 32,000 square feet. It's owned by a Malaysian power family. Mr. Yo is the, the, the man who is in charge of all this. He owns the YTL conglomerate. Uh, Forbes magazine says he's one of the most powerful men in Asia. He just recently passed away a few months ago. But multi-billionaire. This house was uh, designed by a Paris-based uh, architecture firm. Um, all those little houses surrounding them aren't little houses. Those are multi-million dollar mansions dwarfed by this mothership in the middle of Kuala Lumpur. And you would wonder, aren't those neighbors annoyed that they would build such a big, obnoxious thing? No, those, those all belong to the same family. So, so this is Mr. Yo's residence. And 
This house took over five years to build, cost about 40 million uh, Malaysian dollars to build. And as all these bloggers are writing and ooing and aahing and drooling over this, this architectural wonder, I, I was so tempted to go on these blogs and, and write, I got to spend the evening in this house. Why? Well, because Mr. Yo and Mrs. Yo are family friends. And when Monica and I were in Malaysia, for a honeymoon, they invited us over to dinner. This place isn't open to the public. Most people in this world have not been in this place, but they invited us in because we have a relationship with them. Now, when we got to this mothership, we got into this compound, it is so overwhelming. I mean, it's not even a house. Like, it's more like a hotel to me. Like, you cross all these security guards, and, and you, you finally get in, and you, they have a parking structure, a parking structure for this house. One for the family, and then one for the staff that it takes to run this thing. And you're just like, where do I even start? But it's okay, because now that Mrs. Yo has invited us into the house, she became our tour guide. And she says, just come with me, I want to show you this place. And one by one, she showed us room after room. She would go to this room, turn the lights on. And she would explain, Here, here's the dining room. This is the dining room, and she would tell us the story behind this, and the story behind this marble table. Then she would take us to the living room, and she would show us the elevators. Here are the elevators to the different floors in, in this house. And then she would take us to the pool and say, Here, here's the pool with the underwater bar, and here's where all the grandchildren play. And then here's the staircase, and the story behind the staircase, and all the different places that that leads you to. And one by one, she would take us room to room to room, and turn the lights on and show us the fullness of this house. And, and I share that with you because one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is not only to bring you into faith, bring you into this relationship with Jesus, and then expect you to know everything about Jesus and everything about Christianity. No, he's going to bring you in, but then the Bible says he's going to lead you from truth to truth. Look what John 16 says. John 16 verse 13 says, When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Underline that sentence. He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, that's coming from the Son and from the Father, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit is going to stay with you. And he's going to lead you into all truth. How many of us, you've made that decision. Yeah, I'll follow Jesus. Yeah, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to be forgiven. And so, so you, you come into this relationship and you feel all great about it. And you're like, yeah, I want to pick up a Bible. So you get a Bible and you open it up. You start reading and you're like, huh? Like what? Like what does it mean that I'm predestined? What's the difference between justification and sanctification and glorification? What, what, what do you mean I have to love that guy that I don't like? What do you mean I have to turn the other cheek? I got to let him hit me again? And there's all these things that are just going to be like, I, I, I don't get this. How many of you have ever felt overwhelmed by God's word, trying to read through this and you feel overwhelmed? I want to say it's okay. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Charles Spurgeon, one of the prince of preachers, I don't know if he originated this, but I know he said it, that the word of God 
is shallow enough for children to come and splash around and wade around in, and yet deep enough for theologians to dive in and never reach the bottom. I mean, this, this is something that children can come and learn and enjoy, and yet theologians and scholars all their lives, who can get to the bottom of this? It is so deep and so rich, we cannot get to the bottom of it all. And yet the invitation is come. Come and know Jesus more. Come explore the riches and the wealth of God's word. I want to show you something. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And Paul, in this, in this chapter, in this book, he's praying for the Ephesians. And these are believers. They've come from unbelief into belief. And he starts off the book and he says, man, I thank God. Every time I think about your faith, just thank God for you. Thank God that you believe you have salvation. But then he doesn't stop there because he continues to pray for them now that they believe. Look what it says in verse 17. He says, I keep asking. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. I, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened illuminated, turned on, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Circle that word know in verse 18. That you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. You can stop right there. So in other words, what Paul is saying is, ah, oh, I thank God so much that you, you, you believe, that you have salvation. But he's, oh man, there's so much more. And I pray that the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation would give you wisdom and reveal to you all that you have in Christ, the hope of your salvation, the inheritance you've received, the power at your disposal. There's so much for you to know, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would open the eyes of your heart, that he would enlighten you, that he would illuminate, that he would turn on the lights because there's so much you need to understand. And it's only by the Spirit that comes from him. Now, I heard, had you circle that word in verse 18, that word no. Here's why. Because there, there's a Greek word I want to expose you to. The Greek word that's translated no is the Greek word oida. Everyone say oida. Oida. Say it one more time. Oida. Oida means to know, but the root word means to see. Like, what does seeing have to do with knowing? Well, have you ever had that moment where you're coming across a truth and all of a sudden it's like, ah, I get it. I, I see. I see now. And, and what's happening is your perception is being sharpened by the information or the facts presented to you, and now you're getting it. I see. And that's the whole idea here. He wants you to see and perceive the truth of God, oida. And so the Holy Spirit is going to illuminate as you study the word and you become students, faithful students of the word. He's going to open your eyes, turn on the light so that you would know and understand. And then he's going to shed light on areas in our life. And he's going to help us not just understand it because anybody could just read this and try to understand it. But then he's going to help us believe it by faith, grasp it with our hearts. How many of you guys have ever sat listening to the preaching of the word? And it's kind of like, oh my gosh, that, 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 that sense where it's like God is speaking directly to me. <laughs> like I feel like I'm the only person in this room right now. It's like somehow he knows what's going on in my life. 
Well, first of all, yeah, he's God. He knows what's going on in your life. And now he's speaking and he's using these scriptures and these examples to, to really address it. How many of you guys have had that experience? Amen? Like, we hear that all the time. A lot of people tell us, I felt like I was the only person in that room and he was speaking directly to me. Well, let me tell you the truth. He was speaking directly to you. Yeah, he's God. He knows what's going on in your life. Yeah, he does. And he knows how to shed light both on the scripture so that you understand and then shed light on your life so you could see how it applies. The reality is you're, you're just not the only one in this room because he knows what's going on in Paul's life and he knows what's going on in, in Regina's life. He knows what's going on in Shalana's life and, and Scott's life and he's able to take his truth and show you how real it is in your life. So what the Holy Spirit is doing in illumination is he's not showing you something that's not there. He's not showing you some hidden truth, some hidden insight between the lines. He's just taking what's there in plain sight and he's, he's making it real to you. He's showing you how real and how pertinent, how relevant and how powerful it is. My friend Josh and I, we, uh, we do, we're accountability partners. So we, um, we, we keep each other accountable. We try to read a chapter every day uh, write it out and share it with each other. And the way we do this is I'll write it in an email. And I'll write out, I'll study, for example, if I'm going through John chapter 1, I'll write out my observations. What do I see in this passage? And then I'll write application. How does it apply to my life? Then I'll write out a prayer. And then I'll send it to myself and I'll send the email CC to him. And that way I can go back to it whenever I want, but also he gets to benefit from, from the stuff I got. And here's what he said to me a couple weeks ago. He said, man, it's so, it's so cool when I read both of our devotions. He's like, we're reading the same thing. We see, we're making the same observations, but it's like we pull totally different things out of it. It's like God speaks to you in a totally different way than he spoke to me. And I, and, and I believe that's the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Because he's illuminating the truth, helping us both understand it with our minds, but then he's also illuminating areas of our lives, shedding light on our lives, and helping us to see the light of God's word in light of our lives. And he's speaking to us. He's helping us to see, to know the different truths of his word. So the illumination of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate God's truth, to help unbelievers come into belief, to help believers know, but he's not done yet. The work of illumination isn't done yet, so write this down. Here's the last truth we're going to talk about today. The Holy Spirit illuminates the truth for believers to know, know. He illuminates the truth for believers to know, know. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Wow, this guy's deep. I mean, man, this guy has extensive vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick with me. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Because God doesn't just want you to know intellectually with your minds. But he's going to illuminate the truth so that we know it personally in our hearts. That we know it experientially with our lives. He wants to take us to a deeper level. So look at Ephesians again with me. Go back to that verse we just read. I want to read verse 17 with you again. Here's what it says. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You didn't circle that word, no. Would you circle that one? You circled the one in 18, which, what was the Greek word for know again? What was it? Oida, right? 
Well, the, the know that you just circled in verse 17 is a different Greek word. We don't see this in the English, but let me show you what it says in the Greek. Completely different word translated know is the Greek word epigonosko. Try that. Everyone say epigonosko. 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 What is that? Well, epi is just a prefix. I'll tell you what that means in a, in a moment. But gnosko is a different kind of knowing. Right? We said that oida is knowing because you see. You, you see the information. You see the facts. So I see. I get it. I perceive it. Oida. But gnosko is the kind of knowing that comes from a personal relationship with the thing that you're coming to know, with the object you're coming to know. It, it, it's a, this engagement, this in, interaction with that very thing. And it's through that relationship that you're really getting to know that. That's gnosko. Then epi is like a, a prefix, it's an intensifier. You, you put it in front of a word and it kind of like intensifies, it brings it to the next level. So, so what he's saying here is, I, I pray that you would epi him better, that you would interact and engage with Jesus and his words so that you would, know, that you would really know him on a whole nother level. Let me try to illustrate for you the difference. I, I shared with you guys earlier that my family... Um, and I, we, we were in Disney World last week, and uh, Disney has this new land called uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar, and it's based off the movie Avatar, and there's this ride that everybody was talking about called the Flight of Passage, and everyone's raving about this thrill ride, so I looked it up on my Disney, Disney app, uh, and, and I read about it, and I knew what it was. It was a simulator, right? You, you go into this room, you sit on this machine, you put on your 3D glasses, and it's a simulator. And it supposed, supposedly takes you on this POV ride, point of view ride, where you're on the back of a banshee, which is a mythical uh, bird, and you're flying through the world of Avatar. So when I read it, I knew what it was. It's a simulator. That's Oida. I understand. I get it. But I'm telling you guys, when I got on that ride, <laughs> I didn't just step into a simulator. I, I literally stepped into the world of Avatar. I'm telling you, Disney went next level on this ride because as I'm riding on the back of this banshee and he takes this dip, my heart literally dropped to my stomach. And as he turns, I feel the wind blowing in my face and blowing my hair. And as we go through the jungle, I could actually smell the trees. And as we glide and skim over the waters, I feel the mist hitting my face. As, as, as I'm riding this ride, I'm telling you, I started making sounds. I started laughing laughing like a little kid, and you can ask Monica, this is no joke, I start grabbing her, and I go, <laughs> and I'm like screaming, and I'm telling you, after the ride was over, I'm thinking to myself, why do I laugh like that? Like, was, it, was that real? I'm serious, sounds came out of me I've never heard before. It was, it was so real. I read about it, and I Oida, I, I knew what it was, but when I interacted with it, when I wrote it, when I engaged, then I epigenos, I knew, knew what this was. Totally different experience. Next level. And Paul is saying, ah, I thank God, and I, I want you to know him more, and I want you to, ex to experience the truths of God's word, but I pray 
that the eyes of your heart would be open and that you would experience, that you would epigonosco him, that you would engage in this relationship and you would know him on a real level. The question is, how is he going to do that? How is the Holy Spirit going to illuminate that truth for us to take it from what we know in the minds to experience in our lives? Well, here's what John 14, 26 says. I love this. It says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you, circle that word teach, and will remind you, circle that word remind, of everything I have said to you. (laughs) So the Holy Spirit not only teaches us, helps us to know, but he's going to remind us. And I, I believe it's in that remembrance that we begin to epigonosco him, when he starts reminding us of these things in real life application. Right, let me show you, let me show you this and illustrate this for you and I'll show you why I love this verse so much. How many of you guys, and by show of hands, and be careful if you raise your hands because I might call on you, but how many of you can remember the two points that I made in my last message about the Holy Spirit? Who can recite the two points for me? None of you? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I get that, right? Like, I, I accept that. I don't expect you to remember them. I've come to realize that, that you're going to forget most of what I say. Like, by tomorrow, probably the only thing you're going to remember from today is the way I laugh. Like, that's the, <laughs> I get that. But here's what I've come to learn, is that if, if, if anything I've ever taught you from the Word of God has resonated with you and you've had that aha moment the lights have come on or maybe you've heard something on the radio or maybe it's through your personal study of the word and in your devotion it was like an aha moment and you saw it I understand that you actually didn't forget it the things I've said and and, and made sense to you you didn't really forget it just because you can't recall it on the spot right in this moment doesn't mean it's gone See, whenever the Holy Spirit illuminates truth for you, I believe that the Holy Spirit of God takes that truth and he stores it in the quiver of your heart. He stores it in the quiver of your heart so that in opportune moments, he, the Holy Spirit who walks with you, is able to retrieve it in opportune moments. He'll remind you of the things he taught you. He's not just teaching you. He's going to remind you of it. You guys know what a quiver is, right? Quiver is that, is that case where you keep your weapons, your arrows, Right, so if a bear attacks, the warrior can just reach into his quiver. If an enemy approaches, he just reaches into his quiver. If he needs food for his family, he can just reach into his quiver. That's what a quiver is, is where you store your weapons. Well, well, in the same way, every surfer has a quiver. You know what a surfer's quiver looks like? This is a surfer's quiver. It literally is what we call it. This is not my, I wish it was my quiver. Because we know, we all know that every surfer needs way more than just one board. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. Thank you for that affirmation. I'm glad we agree. Apparently, the Holy Spirit still has to illuminate that truth in my wife, Monica, but she'll, she'll get there one day. But every, every surfer needs a quiver. Why? Because every day is a new day. And every day is a different wave, right? So when the waves are strong and has some punch to it, I might pull something like this from my quiver. It's shorter, it's more nimble, has more performance. If you look at the profile, it has a rocker, meaning it's curved, so you could take drops, steeper drops. 
but the next day might be soft and mushy. So, so I might take a board like this out for my quiver. It's longer, thicker. It, it, it doesn't have as much performance, but it paddles better. It will get me into waves better. And then the next day, it might be small and jumbled and choppy at, at the beach break. So I'll take something short and stubby and still be able to grovel and have some fun. So there are different weapons for different waves in my quiver. The Holy Spirit of God, when you understand his truths and as you expose yourself to his word over and over again committed to hearing the preaching of the God's of God's word committed to reading it daily in your devotions in your quiet time he's storing it in the quiver of your heart you haven't forgotten it but you just got to walk with him so in that moment when you're on the 405 freeway and that that buster cuts you off and he speeds off and you hit 90 miles per hour because you're raging and your face is red and steam's coming out of your ears and you pull up right next to him you roll down your window the holy spirit who's sitting shotgun because he's with you is going to reach into the quiver of your heart and he may give you hey luke 6 27 you remember this oh yeah love your enemies pray for those who mistreat you from the outrageous love series ah and at that moment, as he reminds you of something he's taught you before, you take a deep breath. You pull your finger back into the car. And you're reminded and you realize that's what he meant when he taught me to love outrageously like Jesus did. The Holy Spirit will remind us in opportune moments. There was a time a couple years out of college I was working with this company I'd been working for three years up to that point. I was, on a, I was the manager of a sales and marketing team. That's a fancy way of saying I was a lead telemarketer. <laughs> and for eight hours a day for those three years, I would call companies across the U.S. with the same marketing pitch. And 15 seconds in, I would get hung up on. 15 seconds in, I'd be cussed out. 15 seconds in, I'd be um, told off. Every day, and, and there was this point where I, I came to the end of myself, and I was just like so frustrated. God, is this what I'm supposed to be doing with the rest of my life? Like, is this what you created me to do? And I, I, I was stressed. To be honest, I was stressed. I was worried. What's going on with my life? And, and I remember this one particular day, very vivid day. I'm sitting there in my cubicle, slouched back in my chair. It was so heavy on my heart, I couldn't even make another call. And I'm just sitting there, what am I going to do? I, I hate this. I hate this. And I kid you not, I turn and I look and hanging on my cubicle is a UPS calendar. It's a UPS calendar. And on the calendar is a picture of a small UPS truck driving through a country road. And in the background is this beautiful mountain range, probably in Switzerland or something like that. And I'm not sure what the message UPS was trying to send me was, but in big brown letters, literally in big brown letters on this calendar picture were the brown letters, move mountains, move mountains. And I'm not sure what the message UPS was trying to send me was, but I know what the message the Holy Spirit was trying to send me was because he reached into the quiver of my heart in that moment. He says, Greg, remember Matthew 17, remember Matthew 17. Oh yeah, I just studied this. Matthew 17 says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will be able to move mountains. And Jesus goes on in that teaching, if you have faith, just pray with faith and you will receive what you ask for in prayer. So pray and you will see God move the mountains. And so I began praying. 
God, move in my life. And soon after that is when the doors opened for me and I enrolled in seminary and began my pastoral training. It wasn't, that was 2004. It wasn't until 2012 that I would actually become a pastor. But God was preparing me because he knew the plans for my life. He knew how he was going to use me, but have faith. And Matthew 17 was just what I needed in that desperate moment. The Holy Spirit has come. He has come into our life, and he wants to illuminate the truth to bring unbelievers into belief. He wants to help believers to know the the multiple, multiple truths about Jesus and his word. And then he wants to help us to know, know. And as you apply God's word and you interact with the Holy Spirit and and engage in this personal relationship with Jesus, then you will come to know and know him on a deeper level. You're going to see your perception of Jesus sharpen, your understanding deepen. That's what he meant by turn the other cheek. That's what he means to consider pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. That's what he means to love outrageously. And he's going to turn the spotlight on Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's going to leave us in awe of him. He's going to show us that Jesus is lit. He is on fire in our lives, and he's going to help us from unbelief to belief. He's going to help us know, and then he's going to help us know, know. And when we have that deeper understanding of Jesus and his truth and God's words, then we are left in awe and wonder of the King of kings. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for helping us to see what you have done for us. You've given us your son Jesus to die on the cross. Glorious king of kings should become a baby born in the womb of a virgin just so that he can die on the cross. His body broken and his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. God, thank you so much, not just for doing that, but helping us to see and believe that you did that. And so as we take of this bread and this juice, we want to remember that with all our hearts, we want to sing at the top of our lungs and worship you because you are worth it. So it's with great thankfulness, remember your sacrifice. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.